Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Econ and Finance Young Fabian Spring Statement podcast. Um, we've got some brilliant guests on board. We've got the, the one and only Lauma. We've got Michael O'Connor. We've got Paul Spence and me, Connor Escudero. So it should be good. Yeah, plenty to discuss. Um, so let's let's get right into it. So um, obviously some headline announcements today. Um, obviously changes to to childcare. Um, obviously you've got now governmental support coming in from uh, parents to children ranging from nine months to two years old, um, which is um, probably one of the flashy announcements today. Cool. Um, and then to those listening. Um, seeing as we are the young Fabians, I definitely like to tie in uh, a youth focus to what we're discussing today. So obviously we're all um, young, active and very passionate about politics so, and economics in general. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can tie in some very useful insights, at least from our side, um, when it comes to this month's budget. So, yeah, let's kick it off. Does um, anyone want to start with anything that p- perhaps interested them? Well, I, I think your your statement on on the flashiness of the childcare is is quite an apt one. It's quite accurate. It's I feel like it's a lot of flash and not much substance. Is 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 what I'd say. You know, obviously childcare is hugely important. You've got the motherhead penalty of of the gender pay gap increasing from like fifteen percent before before anyone has a child um, to for women to around thirty three percent gender pay gap after you have your first child. And a lot of that is to do with the fact that you know women have to have to do that unpaid domestic childcare labor um so you know obviously a huge important topic but i think i'm i'm concerned that this is actually just all flash and no substance you know you've got uh, the reality of it is that the tory government has not backed any of this kind of childcare stuff in the past um they've cut you know budgets and the rate at which people can spend uh, that that they give to nurseries by 13% since 2017 and in that same time we've had you know, cost of living crisis. We've we've had energy energy bills soaring, um, and so th- so they're not. You know, despite the fact that they're saying that they want to increase access to childcare, you know, half of current local council local councils and local authorities don't actually have enough facilities to even deal with the free childcare that they're currently offering. So I think you know, for me, that's that's a big kind of red flag with their childcare policy. That's what I'd have. Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head. It and particularly with recent budgets, um, and hopefully you all agree, um, it tends to be a lot of spin and no substance. Um, I mm. feel like the Tories recently on an economic front have very much realised that perhaps the last 13 years haven't been really good for our economy because we <laughs> are, you know, <laughs> it's not, that's not a controversial thing to say at all. I mean, you know, we've got the lowest growth in the G7 to the extent that even Russia, sanction hit Russia, um, have had a higher growth than us recently. Um now, that's something that it was kind of that's something that I wanted to kind of touch on because just generally, like there was that flashy bit about childcare, but aside from that, this has been a pretty boring budget. I mean, sure, <laughs> you know, compared to the you know the last autumn statement, like you know, bar is set pretty high in terms of kind of yeah. massive, massive. Yeah, I'm not sure we want one of those, really. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, this was really, really like you know, it's it's kind of fiddling with the margins and not doing much. I think yeah, like Keir's speech afterwards was pretty good actually because it was just saying like yeah this is just you know sticky plaster mm. politics it's not you're not doing actually there's no there's it's no substance isn't it yeah and and also one thing to say is um <clears throat> i was sort of you know listening to the speech and then reading over afterwards and it says things like inflation destroys the value of hard-earned pay 
Um, and one notable thing is definitely not in this budget is any public sector pay rises. Hardworking people who keep our country over after a decade of real wages going down for, you know, those people like nurses, like junior doctors, like people working in local government who have just been the backbone of, of our country, especially after the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, it's like if you want to increase the value of hard earned, it, another thing that destroys the value of hard earned pay is no pay increases for a decade. So. Yeah, I think at out. the same time, you know, this budget also has, you know, a lifetime threshold allowance increase for pensions to 1.5 million. You know, the tax-free allowance for 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 pensions go from 40,000 each year to 60,000. So, you know, someone, you know, the the very richest uh, in society will obviously be benefiting from this. Uh, but you know, to your point, public sector pay, uh, servants, you know, minimum wage, all that kind of stuff. Where 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 is that in this budget? Mm. Just to actually on the kind of the threshold thing, I mean, just so I, I mean, because I, I, I didn't really understand like the logic because the government has been spinning this as a kind of like, oh, we want to keep people in work. Is the logic just like, oh, because people will be able to, you know, save more of their money or etc. Like they'll want be incentivized to stay in work more. Is that the logic? Is that what they're trying to do? I, I, I didn't really. Stylistically, when it comes to his budgets recently have become and, and, and Sunak's budgets beforehand, but they're tend to be more focused on sound bites than anything. And I think um, following on from your point, Paul, um, he, he, you know, he picked enterprise and um, efficiency as two, you know, key E's that he wanted to particularly address, but didn't really um, set out the fiscal policy agenda to actually mm. do anything about, you know, some of the productivity issues that have happened in this country, particularly with our stagnant output, um, I think we've had, you know, level mm. flat or just below level flat output um, per hour in this country annually um, recently. Um, yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think, you know, one of the points they were making with the pensions as well is that, you know, you'll have NHS doctors who um, will start getting like a, a tax rate so high that there's there's not the incentive when you're when you're reaching that retirement age to continue working. Um I mean, I think another big issue for for the NHS is burnout um, and and you know the the stress that people are being put under in in that in that place after two years. I don't necessarily think it's just about whether or not you know your pension pots uh, can increase at the rate that you want it to. Um, so I'm I'm slightly dubious about this argument, and I also think that it will impact you know the consultants and and bankers and and you know top one percent of earners um, much much more so than than necessarily just. Just an mm. HS yeah, yeah. I mean, the sort of general themes. It's a budget for like very wealthy pensioners, and definitely not for public sector workers. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's probably I, bad. Also, I think young people, you know, as as is as is the usual mm. for for yeah. a, a Tory budget, uh, have been largely ignored. I mean, where was anything on housing? Um, you know, we mm. are going through a housing oh. crisis, um, and there was nothing. You know. Um, <laughs> Yeah. That was actually remarkably absent. Like there was literally not a single mention of housing. I mean, as far as I can tell, right, there was absolutely nothing there. That was, yeah, yeah. real like, letdown. Council housing tax still based on the valuation of of properties back in 1991. Like how how is that still the reality that we're we're dealing with when it comes to council house housing tax? But you know, yeah, and then you know, tying in that youth focus, which um, you brought up so brilliantly, Lama. Um, some announcements, um, at least on climate change policy, or mm-hmm. you know, perhaps a delayed reaction to to you know Tory incompetence for the last thirteen years, where 
we've been really slow off the mark when it comes to trying to address climate change. I think, you know, it's kind of disappointing though what, when, when you look at it, perhaps of all Western economies, we've actually perhaps decarbonized more than most, mm. um, which is quite low bar to set. And, you know, although some, some good announcements were made, you know, particularly around um, nuclear energy, um, I think Hunt was a bit unclear when, when it comes to, you know, Great British nuclear, I thought it was a ripoff of perhaps Great British energy, which mm-hmm. um, I did back here. But, um, mm. yeah, what do, you, what do you guys think about that? Uh, well, I, I'm just going to jump in here because uh, <laughs> kind of uh, part of what I do for, for my job. But I, I was going to say I, I was kind of deeply di- disappointed by the, the funding that they uh, provided for, for climate change. Um, you know, this is this is obviously a, a huge important issue for, for young people, never mind everyone else. Um, but we've only kind of the 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 UK budget included 20 billion pounds for carbon capture and storage over the next 20 years. I mean that is that's nothing you know <laughs> like the us and eu are providing over half a trillion dollars worth of funding at the moment like we are providing 0.6 percent of our gdp they're, they're going closer to two percent of their G- gdp on funding and that's over the hours is over 20 years that's that's insane frankly um and so you're actually seeing like you know uh, from a jobs perspective, for instance, we'll, we'll be losing out. You know, we've got we've got to develop a green economy. We're trying to do an industrial revolution in a decade, and we're not keeping up in terms of funding of of climate change. You know, companies like Tata Motors that owns Jaguar Land Rover, they they're they're not they're 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 saying that the UK government has to offer them five hundred million pounds to get them to keep, to keep a, a to to build a battery um, factory in 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 the UK rather than move it to Spain because of of the funding that's been provided in, in Europe, like we will lose industries if we, from just an economic perspective, if we don't take, start taking this seriously. Um, but- it's in, it, it'll be interesting to tie in um, Michael's analysis on this. So, you know, to those listening, Michael is a Labour councillor, am I right? In um, yeah, in Oxford, yeah, in Oxford, um, Oxford again. You know, brilliantly trying trying to radically perhaps solve. Um, climate change perhaps on a local level um at least from what i've read um well i mean sorry i was going to say i was going to say just to further um what perhaps insight you can share into this um when it comes to the suppression of local government funding uh since the tories have been in power how does that tie into perhaps your frustrations or limitations when trying to to impose a climate policy agenda on the local level mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's two really interesting things there so i mean for instance like just picking up on on the end of um uh what, what lama was just saying uh like oxford have traditionally had a very big car industry it's had big car factories in the east of the city um and bmw which manufactures electric vehicles or is moving into man- uh, manufacturing electric vehicles um it's not sure that it's going to um, continue to keep open its plant um, in the east of the city because the you know the kind of investment environment is much better elsewhere. And since Brexit, it's become really hard to kind of sustain its business. Mm. You know, like we should be keeping. That's the kind of thing we should definitely be keeping in the UK. Um, and and then also just in terms of like how it links in with just local government funding in general. 
I mean, in the budget of like announcements, you know, X and Y, new pots of money, you know, this new settlement, that new settlement, the sustainable transport settlement. But this is really like, you know, this is fundamentally sticking plaster politics. This is short term, you know, we'll give you a pot for this, a pot for that. And what we really need is just, we need longer term funding, you know, we need security funding, control over it putting power back into local communities so we can do things like, you know, sustainable transport in a sustainable way. Um, and, you know, that is very much what the Labour leadership are saying, you know, devolution, power back into communities. And I don't think this, I don't think Jeremy Hunt gets that at all. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Wanted to touch on a couple of things. Firstly, like the bit, like, yeah, absolutely. Like the, after the US uh, Inflation Reduction Act, you would have thought that like everybody's worried about competitiveness, et cetera, especially because the EU started a yeah. huge thing. And we're talking a whole lot about how we're world beating and, you know, now we've got all our Brexit freedoms, et cetera. Nothing in there. Useless. Um, other thing that was kind of interesting in um, the speaking of investment and stuff, because, I mean, yeah, we've, we've under-invested in this country for a really long time in both um, public and private, whatever. Um, Jeremy Hunt's solution, oh, let's make investment zones, when, like, every single every single piece of information, or at least that I've ever read and admitted I'm not an expert about this, doesn't do anything. I mean, it, it's such a useless useless solution to this. It does absolutely nothing. All it does is reallocate. Yeah, I don't know. It, it annoys me. It's something I've been talking about for quite a while as well, investment. It is. It doesn't seem any action has actually been taken or, you know, whatever. Probably, I'm sure it will, but it's probably just, I just, I don't see it working. Like they've, they've done it in, I don't know, every single time they've tried it, it seems to have more like reallocated investments from near neighboring, um, neighboring, na- like neighboring regions rather than actually increased investment there. Like yeah. it's, it's just a, it's a very, it doesn't really feel much. It doesn't feel very helpful. Mm. Yeah. And I think this is one of those things where labor really kind of stands out in comparison. Like we, like labor's committed to, I think, 28 billion pounds per year on, on green investments every year for the next eight years. So that's like, more like 220 20 billion versus the 20 billion that, that, that this budget has so um you know i think there's a, it's a really really big contrast in in what 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 the two parties are really offering at the moment yeah and then following on you know from the point you made paul about um perhaps how ineffective investment zones might be as a strategy to to solve regional e- economic inequality across the country i think it contrasts heavily to um the recent Brown Commission, Brown Report, when it comes to mm-hmm. um, decentralising power, whether it be political, economical, away from Westminster, and, you mm-hmm. know, on a devolution-based platform, handing power back out mm-hmm. to counties and, um, and and regional and local local government, which I'm sure, again, Michael, you know, to tie in some mm-hmm. local government perspective into this, you know, yeah. if Labour get into power next year, God willing, it would be it'd be night and day difference. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel this is this is a white hole in Westminster budget. It's Westminster handing out money yeah. to regions when really what is needed is a transfer of power. Um, and that's that's something that, that you know, Labour will do. Um, yeah. And, yeah. We want to attempt to talk about the potential positives <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of balance. We're not the BBC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah that much. 
I mean, it would be great if they got got childcare done. I just don't think it's believable. You know, I I, I genuinely don't. So, uh, given how it's been going, like, if if we're talking positive, it would be it would be great. But as as we already said, all flash, no substance there. Hmm. It's 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 not sure star. Yeah. It's it's a speaking cluster. Exactly. That that's partly their own making. So, um, yeah, definitely. The, the two most recent budgets have been have focused a lot more on fiscal conservatism and responsible, some sort of responsibility, at least when it comes to, you know, the the messaging around the budget and, and the fact that perhaps Jeremy Hunt is a lot more keen to tie in the OBR when it comes to a lot of his announcements. Um, do you think a Labour budget in the coming years will follow the same style? And then perhaps... Could that present a challenge when it comes to a lot of those frustrations and ambitions we've been holding for the last 13 years, again, particularly on a local government level or a climate change agenda? If I can already like just oh, get onto that half of that, uh, yeah, get onto that a little bit. Um, the kind of prudence of all these things and the very small C conservative messaging around it, very kind of basic, boring, whatever of these budgets or the last couple of budgets has basically been predicated on the fact that like in I think in the next five years, we're going to have to do a massive, massive number of cuts that coincidentally are going to happen after an election that Labour are probably going to win. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, on a personal level, I have no idea how we're going to get out of that one uh, because mm-hmm. Rachel Reeves has been briefing that we're going to be really, really concerned about fiscal responsibility, as we should. Um, but... I don't know. I don't. I, I don't see how we get out of that. I, it feels like the only thing we're going to have to do is either kind of rebalance the scale so that we're taxing more, uh, which, but you know, Keir's been not particularly happy about announcing new taxes. Um, so uh, I don't know. Like it feels like we'd have to do pretty. Like I, it, I think we're probably going to have to keep uh, to stick with the prudence because I mean that's what we've been saying all along, and we've been criticizing them for not being prudent enough. So it would be a pretty radical change of kind of style to now say, oh, well, actually, we don't care that much about it. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we're going to have to do some really, 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 we're going to have to make some really difficult decisions when, uh, you know, if and when we get into mm. government. I, I would be careful, though, in how we frame this. I mean, prudence is important, but also one of the problems we face is a failure to invest for a very long time. And to invest, you do have to spend money. Um, yeah. You spend money up front to make things easier later on so that you get the kind of sustainable growth that can then, you know, produce increased tax returns and that kind of thing. Um, so we'll, I'm hoping the style will be different. And I'm also hoping, just about what you were saying, Connor, there won't just be, you know, the one budget in Westminster, that there will be budgets in town halls across yeah. the country yeah. where they're making, you know, they are making decisions that affect their communities in their communities um, and are building local economies. Um, so I just just kind of make those two points. Um, and and on, on the border climate thing, I mean, as we already discussed, like we need rapid action um, and we need large scale investment. Um, and, and, and that will be, it looks like, fingers crossed, you know, that will be coming um, and it should be framed as what it is, which is, big investment for you know huge returns and genuine climate action yeah yeah 
No, I, I, I kind of agree I, I with you. I don't think that we'll see the same style of budget as we had the last two, partly because they've had to do this because they've lost their economic credibility. You know, obviously you listen to the OBR forecast and you get them to to check over your work. You know, that's 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 pure and simple what 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 you have to do. And I don't think that any Labour government would do that. But unless you're coming, you know, uh, unless you're a quasi quartet, you know, apparently you can skip that. So, uh, you know, they're they're having to do this kind of like recorrection in what they're in what they're doing to prove their economic credibility that they've frankly lost whereas a labor you know to your point it's been pushing economic credibility has been pushing a fully costed budget um that that isn't just promising the world um and 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 allowing money to grow on trees i think the other thing about these budgets is that there's a lack of ambition. There's a lack of vision. You know, the Tories have now been in government for 13 years. Like they are, they are promising us stagnation and trying to sell us that as a good thing. Like they, they, they aren't acknowledging that we are going through an industrial revolution over the next decade if we want to prevent catastrophic climate change. I just, you know, I just, it, it just makes me mad. Like if you're, if you're in charge. You've got to have that ambition. You've got to have that vision. You've got to have that leadership to to to, to be brave and say, "Look, we've got an industrial revolution that we need to to do in the next decade." You know, we've got to spend to be able to 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 deal with that. Otherwise, we'll get locked out as as other countries take our our, our factories, take our jobs, take 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 you know the economic prosperity that Britain could have uh, going forward. So, and once once inflation perhaps doesn't become an issue, then you know, like you were saying, Laoma, you've got that huge scope of opportunity to invest your way out of low growth. Um, and it's it's something that, you know, shouldn't necessarily really be debated because mainstream economists mm-hmm. do most, most of them do argue that, you know, that is the established way of, of, of pulling ourselves out of, out of mm-hmm. stagnation. But, so... Like the thing is, as much as I agree, it feels a bit like, you know, on the Labour side, we've put us, we've kind of walked our way into a bit of a political trap because we spent the last few years saying that like, oh yeah, no, we're going to, we're going to get the debt down. We're very happy to not, you know, not spend and not do all that stuff. So it feels like we've really kind of, I don't know, it feels like we've kind of hindered our options there. I'm not sure how it's going to go. I think, I think like, you know, the problem has been correctly identified as stagnation. You know, stagnating real wages, stagnating growth, just so many things going wrong. And the narrative the na- the narrative that we've been sold since twenty ten um is is, you know, you keep on cutting, you keep on reducing the debt, cuts, cuts, cuts. Mm-hmm. But the thing is when you keep on cutting, eventually there's nothing more to cut. And in cutting those things, in you you're cutting investment. Mm-hmm. Um and that just filters through the whole economy um and that narrative has been sold because you can sell it in a really easy metaphor you know in times of trouble you tighten your belt um you spend a bit less um but there's an equally powerful on the other side which is you know for instance if you're buying a house you might take out a mortgage mm. um you know you, you take a loan um and then you you gradually pay it off and at the end well you have a house um and that is, I think, one of the narratives that should play out in a kind of labour budget, which is, you know, you're investing and at the end of it, you get something. And maybe that involves taking out loans as well. Um, so you really have to marry that narrative of prudence, also with the acknowledgement that 
you know, investment can't come through just continuing the kind of the Tory way of doing things. Um, and it, it, you have to you have to balance those, you know, thinking the short term, thinking the medium term, thinking the longer term. Um, and that's the end of that. That is how you end sticking plaster politics, sticky plaster politics. Yeah, perhaps applying more of a long term approach like you've touched on um, when it comes to economic strategy. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, thank you very much to our brilliant guests, Lauma, Michael and Paul. Round of applause. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening.